Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! Day one in this series called Letting Go of Christmas. Now, like I said earlier, before uh, we go too far with that, thinking that Kyle's saying Christmas is canceled this year, it's not what I'm saying. We don't need to let go of Christmas as a whole. I'm just making the argument there's probably components of this that we need to let go of, that there might be things that we've created in our minds uh, of what Christmas needs to be like or look like, uh, and then when that doesn't happen, what does that do to us? Like that's, that's more what I'm, I'm trying to wrestle with this morning. So, when you think of Christmas, so let me start off with a question. When you think of Christmas, what exactly comes to mind? Like, are there any images that come to your mind? Like, just think to yourself, what are they places? Uh, are they, is it an ambiance of some sort? Is it people? Like, what, what do you think of when you think of Christmas? Because for some of us, I do have some pictures. The first is like, Christmas doesn't start until you go out and do this, right? Some people, it's like, Christmas has to start with going out and getting the tree and bringing that thing home, right? Uh, and then, though, for others, it's like, no, it's really all about whether it's real or fake. It's about decorating that tree, right? So we did this at my house yesterday. And uh, early on, when my kids were little, there was a lot of uh, fighting that went on uh, with decorating the tree, arguing about, like, who got to do this or do that. And Dad would lose his cool, and it was like, man, I love Christmas, right? And, uh, but now that we've gotten older, we figured out a pretty good pattern, I think, and like, and we didn't do that yesterday, so it was, it was pretty awesome. All right, so some of us, though, that's like the centerpiece. My son, uh, that's, man, decorating for Christmas. Once we do this, uh, Bear, he, last night, he slept by the fire, or by the, uh, by the tree all night long, because uh, that's what he does. That's his, like, that's his tradition, right? We get the tree up, and all night long, lights blaring. I don't know how he does it, but he, like, slept, he sleeps, uh, and will probably for a month on the floor of our living room, right? And so, for other of us, though, it's going to be more about family and about the gatherings that go with it, right? We think about the people that we get to see. They're coming in from out of town. Uh, we finally get to see our cousins and our aunts and uncles and all those people. Others are like, I don't want that to happen, you know. So, again, I don't know what end of the spectrum you're on on that one. Uh, but sometimes it's more maybe in the nostalgic picture, like sitting by the fire with family. Like, it's chill, it's low-key, it's decorations. Uh, or some of us, uh, myself included, I like this last one, it's going to be uh, winter pajamas, uh, lights on the tree, and home alone. Uh, you know, that combination right there is going to be pretty legit. You know, or other Christmas movies, right? Th- these are the kinds of things like, that surround Christmas that we can think of. Now, the problem with this, though, is that we all have these images in our mind. I'm going to do X, Y, or Z, and it's going to be beautiful. And then it turns out like this next picture here, right? Like... We want beautiful and awesome. Um, I remember reading something one time, and it said, for every family picture that you see hanging on somebody's wall, there had to be about three or four death threats to happen to make that picture a reality, right? Because it's like real life is messy, and real life isn't always perfect. Or sometimes it's going to be this. Has ever happened to you, either on the receiving or giving end, right? You have to be real mature to open up, uh, you know, something that you don't want and just be like, no, somebody just gave this to me. They, this is a gift, and I'm not going to be grateful for it, whatever it is. But... Again, sometimes our faces betray us, and then we're on the other end of that, and it's like, oh, Merry Christmas, right? Or this last one, uh, you know, you just like, this is how it can feel, right? With everything that goes on, you just get to Christmas Day, and it's just like, I know so many people every year I talk to, and they just feel white, 
by the time Christmas gets there, it's like not happy holidays, it's not Merry Christmas, it's just like, can we please just get this over with? And that's what I want to discuss. Like, that's what I want to try to think of. Like, how do we let that go and really be able to celebrate Christmas for what it is? Now, here's the hard part. Most of us have probably heard the Christmas story before, and it's really easy to write it off. And that's why maybe we go to, like, the old nostalgic things. We go to the things like, we want to make it perfect, or we want to do this, we want to do that. But I think that we have an opportunity, though, that is before us. Because those things that we showed, most of them at least, are all good things. But then you add in, like, the, the perfection of those moments to the pressures of getting the right gifts, having the right party, right, going to the right houses, doing the right devotionals with your kids. I remember for years that was so much of a struggle for me. Like, we would do an Advent tree, and we would plan all this stuff out, right, because we overplanned everything, right? Because it was going to be magical every year, whether you like it or not, right? And so we had, like, things that we were going to read every day. We had service things we were going to do. We were going to make cookies for some people. Like, we were going to do all these things, right? We were going to go to the nursing home. We were going to sing songs. Brittany was going to sing songs. I was going to sit there awkwardly and smile. And it's like all this stuff, right, that we were going to do. And it was like you had all the pressure to make everything perfect, and then you get your Christmas cards back you're so excited about, and you realize they, like, it's blurry, or like your right eye is shut, or somebody's head's cut off, right? And it's just like, oh man, and does that ruin Christmas, right? So there's a lot of pressure. And then why well, I say this, because all these things add up. They don't seem like a lot all in themselves, but you start doing that. And what happened to me when I was overdoing it was I ended up feeling guilty and like a failure every Christmas season because I didn't end up doing everything that I thought that we should do. I'd miss a couple of days reading the Christmas story with the kids or like, you know, part of the Advent story. And I'd feel like the worst parent ever. I'm like, they're going to both end up in jail. That's what's going to happen. Like, they're going to move out. They're going to move to Ecuador. They're going to murder people. And then it's all because I missed two days of Advent this year. Right? And that, that wasn't that bad. But it's like, you know, I just, yeah, yeah, you just put so much pressure on ourselves. And I've learned over the years that there's some components of Christmas, man, I, I got I to give some grace to myself on and to other people on. But it's not easy. Because, again, the, the images that we dig in are, are pretty perfect. What we see other people posting online, what we see in movies, it's all, it's all very polished, right? And if you've ever been roped into watching a Hallmark Christmas movie, there's only one really storyline for all the movies that they make, Right? You have Harry City Girl meets all shucks country boy, and I'll never make it here. I don't have any friends. And he's like, oh, ma'am, I can help you out. And then they, go, like, they get to know each other. You'll never accept a girl like me. You don't know my past. Oh, shucks, I can help you out. And then they have like some kind of drama that happens, and it's like, oh, they're not going to make it. That's a Hallmark movie. They're going to make it. Of course they're going to make it. They make it, and then they have a perfect Christmas, and everybody's in love. Hallmark movie, every single one of all time ever. So we watch that kind of stuff or anything else. And we're just like, man, that's how it needs to be. But real life isn't like that. So, so what do we think about? You know, what do we think about with Christmas? Uh, I don't want to throw Christmas away, but I do think that we have an opportunity to let some things go. And that's, again, all month long, I just want to think about the different components of Christmas that really don't have anything to do with the season. They're not, I'm not saying they're bad, but it's just they all cumulatively kind of add up and create stress and drama. And it's like, how can we do this better? That's... And I don't, I'm not going to give you a bunch of perfect answers here, but I think we can, like, we can defiantly say, no, I'm, I'm just not going to do that. Not that we're going to do things less or we're not just like, nope, I'm canceling Christmas. None of that. But I think in a way we can defiantly say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. Like, that, that's not 
That's not blasphemy. That's not celebrating the Prince of Peace. That's not celebrating joy and hope and all these things that we have offered to us. So just these things we think about this month is all. Um, so here's the thing. Here's a question I want to start with, and I'll do this every Sunday. This question right here. How do you personally need to let go of Christmas this year? So the, the difficulty always with putting a sermon together and a message is that everybody is really different, right? Everybody has, they're coming to this Christmas season different from everybody else. And even from the way you did it last year is different, right? Because there's loss, there's loneliness, there's like sickness, right? There's maybe a split in the family. There's singleness and you're like, oh, I'm going to be torn between this family and this family. Again, and there's like, oh, there's so many things to consider when it comes to Christmas season. And so this is very much, I'm trying to make it personal for you. As we go through this, I'm going to give lots of examples, but I want you to really consider maybe some of the things in your life that you can let go of or that you can be more gracious with this year. Because here's what I wrestled with. Here's what I was thinking as I was putting this series together, this next question. Is Christmas an idol that's destroying Christmas? Think about that. Is Christmas an idol that's destroying Christmas? And here's what I mean by that. What's an idol? Well, an idol is a representation or a symbol of an object of worship. So my worry and what I've seen in my own life is that we end up, if we're not careful, worshiping Christmas instead of Christ. Like, think how easy that is to do. Worshiping Christmas instead of Christ. Because it's all the stuff that we have to do. It's all the obligations. It's all the pressures. It's the things that we need to buy and do and places we need to be. Getting all the right decorations up. Making sure there's no bulbs out. Which drives me crazy, personally, by the way. Right? And it's all the things that go with it that aren't necessarily bad, but that gets all of our attention for a whole month and it wears us out. Right? So many people are going to go into mega debt at the end of the year, it's the same report every year I see on TV, right? And it's just like, man, we add millions and millions of credit card debt every year. Why? What are we chasing? You know? And it's like, man, let's, like, how can we do it differently? How can we do it differently so we're not worshiping Christmas this year instead of Christ? Because what I've seen, and again, I know this is probably true for you, is that we can take these things that are good and warp them into something that is destructive and distress-inducing, things that bring disappointment. Um, I know for me, one of the things for a long time, it was almost embarrassing. I was an adult for a long time when I was doing this. If I looked at the weather report two weeks ahead of Christmas and it wasn't going to snow on Christmas Day, I was like, well, we might as well just cancel this year. I'm like, man, I'm telling you, like, I, I hated that about myself. But, and then like, as Christmas got closer, I was like, no, nah, man, Jesus is going to bring us a miracle this year. And then, of course, it doesn't. And it's just, like, warm. It's, like, 45 Christmas morning, you know. And, and I remember being, like, like disappointed and let down. Right? And that's just a silly example. But think about all the things that we do to ourselves like that. If it doesn't look like this, or if I have to see that person, or I have to do that, it just, it just keeps adding up. And so we take good things, and again, if they're not perfect, or if they don't look the way we want them to, man. And then if we try to create that image, for those of you that are really trying to pump the image of, like, the perfect Christmas out, you know, we, we look very polished and perfect and beautiful in some of the things that we put out, but the problem is that we're not polished, perfect, and beautiful, are we? We're usually, like, 
unplanned and messy and like and nothing quite is working the way we want to and it's like life can happen especially if you have kids like i used to be on place like i used to be everywhere i went on time right that used to be a thing in my life then i had children and now it's something i used to do right and so it's like at, you know again just think about the life that you're living and the reality of it and just being like okay so what are good expectations what are healthy expectations let's think through this let's talk through this and the good news in all of this, though, and we start with Romans 3.23. All sin falls short of the glory of God. The graciousness that goes with that, it's the reality that you need to take sin seriously. It's not a free pass to just be like, well, we're all sinners. No, it's the reality of the recognition that, yeah, you do sin, and there's consequences of that sin. Romans is really clear about. But also, though, I can be a little more gracious to everybody because I realize they haven't figured perfect out yet either. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I need to give myself a little bit of grace because I haven't figured out perfect either. I'm going to be short sometimes. I'm going to do things. I'm going to sin. I'm going to like, there's going to be things that I need to say, all right, I need to go and ask forgiveness for. And I'm, I'm hoping that person will offer me grace. But this season, you're going to see people amped up. You're going to see people really amped up because this is a really tense time and a hard time for a lot of people. But the Christmas story is something that, again, we can just glance over. And if you've been in church for any amount of time or you're any kind of aware at all of the Christmas story, it's like, yeah, 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 peace on earth, goodwill toward men, all that good stuff. And Jesus offers me hope and joy and peace and love. And yeah. Mm. But think about the audacious claim that we're making with Christmas. We're saying that the God who created the heavens and the earth, we're talking Genesis 1-1, came as a child into our story so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. That's the Christmas story. Isn't that fun? It's like we just we look right over that. Or it seems like, oh, that's too heavy. Why are we talking about that? Somebody was upset with me last year because I talked about uh, the blood of Jesus too much during the holiday season. It's like, you can't, you can't have the cradle without the cross, right? Like, you can't separate the two. The power of the cross and the power of the cradle, and then they go together. Like, there's no real power in the cradle if the cross never happens. Right? And the cross never happens if the cradle doesn't happen. So they're really important to keep together. But it is an audacious claim to say the God who created the heavens and the earth can come down here and say, I get you. I understand you. I have lived through temptation. I have lived through people stabbing me in the back, turning on me when I needed them the most. I've lived through all those painful moments and the good ones. I get you. I understand you. But I also want you to have eternity. Because Jesus Christ never did anything where he didn't have his eyes on forever. You know, the things that he said, how he saw himself, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, everything. Everything was always done in light of the greater story of the Bible. And it was always done with eternity in mind. So it would do us well to remember that as we talk about this story. Because even still today, there's still hope. Like that's day one. That's what we're talking about with this season. There was hope back then that was offered in the midst of suffering, which we'll read about in a second. But there's also continued hope because if Jesus Christ is the real deal, if God came and was actually born as a human being with the purpose of setting men and women free from sin, then that's something really to consider. That's something really to like let sink into your soul if that actually happened. Because what we're doing here is we're celebrating a reality that changes eternity. That changes our eternity. And to embrace that story gives us hope in the midst of all the division, all the uncertainty, all the hate that we see around us. And Jesus Christ says, this is what the world needed, and this is what the world still needs. That's the power of this story. 
and it's huge. And so when we celebrate that, this month when we celebrate Advent, we got every Sunday we're going to light one of these candles during Advent because they each represent something different. Because it's looking at the whole story. Because the hope is that Jesus is coming. And when you celebrate Advent, you're going back before Jesus was born and looking ahead to this promise. But you're also, for us today, looking ahead to the second one. He's going to come back, he said. And he's going to restore. He's going to bring peace. And we'll read a little bit about that this morning. So it's still, this statement here is what was so powerful about his first coming, is that God is actually coming. The Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. But he's coming back. So that's what Advent is, looking at that whole thing. And if you don't know what Advent means, if you're not familiar with that, Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, that literally means coming or arrival. So when we celebrate Advent, next slide, we're actually celebrating his arrival the first time, but again looking forward to, even still, the restoration of all things. No death, no suffering. Like, like that's the one that we put our hope in. That's what we get to celebrate at Christmas time. And so that can all get washed out, again, with Christmas itself, which is ironic. We forget to invite Jesus to the party. Okay? So the, this every Sunday, today is hope, and then we've got peace, joy, and love. These are the themes of Advent, and every Sunday we'll talk about a different component about Advent. But really it's about understanding the whole story. That's all it is. We're going to go back. The cool thing about Advent is you go back before Jesus and you kind of build that anticipation that, man, this is awful. We need a Savior. And God's like, I got you. That's the book of Isaiah. Heavy, heavy, heavy in the book of Isaiah. That's why we always read him at Christmas time. And then you have the story of him coming. And then you have, well, what af- what's having, happening after? That's what Advent is. It's trying to take a broader look at how Jesus fits into the bigger story. Because Christmas was always part of the plan. Always. Always, always, always. It was part of the plan. Because the Messiah was going to come. Genesis 3, right after the fall, right after the Adam and Eve thing, if you're familiar with that story, God says in verse 15 of chapter 3 of Genesis, He says, but there's going to be this seed that comes through Eve. And this seed is going to grow up into a man, Satan, that's going to crush your head. You'll, you'll bite his heel. You'll strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Genesis chapter 3, God made that little promise. He put that right in there. And eventually, so when Jesus showed up, it was like, this is actually here. Right? Victory has come. That's why we sing about that, right? And so it's always been part of the story because the Bible is one big connected story. So here's the big, here's the big picture of the Bible, if you didn't know. And I'm going to use the acronym, G-O-S-P-E-L. Gospel means good news. So here's the Bible in 60 seconds. So God created us for relationship. That's the Adam and Eve portion of the story of creation, right? He could have just made everything, but the final piece of that creation was people because he desired relationship. Now, the problem is, and we're representative in this, is the O part of that. Our sin separates us from God. That's the whole problem and issue of the Bible, and it's the whole problem and issue that we see around us in the world today, is sin. Every one of us chooses to do it. It's not just Adam and Eve's fault. It's our fault, too. I put Jesus on the cross, right? My sin did. And so I can't do anything about that. That's what the S is about. And that's what the whole Old Testament is about. Sin cannot be paid for by good deeds. And that's what every other world religion tries to do. They just want to be a good person, even secular humanism. Just be a better person. We've been trying to be better people for thousands and thousands of years, but again, we still have this sin issue that keeps dogging us. So there's the problem. That's the issue, the unsolvable problem. I can't restore my relationship with God because of my own sin, right? That keeps getting in the way. So the Christmas story comes right in between S and P. Because the Advent story, the, the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, is the answer to letter S. And then P says, paying for sin, Jesus came, lived a life, 
did his ministry, proclaimed the good news, and then he had a death, burial, and resurrection. That's what would pay for my sin, my imperfection. I can now accept Jesus' perfection. That's what becoming a Christian means. I accept his sacrifice, what he did for me. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, right? And so, P, paying for sin. And then everyone who believes in that will have eternal life. That's just the promise that Jesus made. By believing in him, you do have eternal life. And then L, that's where that, it gets a little more nitty-gritty there. Because life with Jesus begins now and lasts for forever. So becoming a Christian doesn't mean I'm going to say a quick prayer so I can get out of hell. That's not what it is. It's giving my life to Jesus, not just as Savior, but as my Lord. That's what be, again, that's what being a Christian is, and that lasts your whole life. And there's implications of that to echo into eternity. That's the story of the Bible in all of it, more or less, in more or less 60 seconds. I don't actually don't know how long it took. But that's, that's where the Advent story comes in. It's all of that. It's the anticipation of GOS and the problems that went with it, and then Jesus showing up, and then the whole rest of the New Testament playing out after he came. And then the after he came stuff also talks about when he will come back. He gave all these promises about that. And so he will restore all things. Advent is taking all of that into consideration. And that's how Jesus, now where I get that is I'm not just making that up. I'm not just surmising that. That's how Jesus saw his story. Because right after his resurrection, in Luke 24, he said to these two disciples, this right here, he sees them, they're all dejected and sad because their Savior's been crucified. And so he says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, going all the way back to the beginning, Jesus interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So if Jesus understood his story, his first advent in light of the whole Bible, we should probably do that as well. Because that's going to be helpful for understanding the impact of this story. So today is just part one. And we're going to read a, a brief scripture this morning to help highlight this. And we are, there we go, our hope candle. So we'll light one candle every Sunday, and then Christmas Eve we'll light our last one. But again, the idea is that there's hope because Jesus is coming. And there's a powerful contrast with that. That means that for these people which we're about to read, and for us today, that there's something better and something greater that's coming than the current circumstances we find ourselves in. Like, this is not the end of the story. Now, or 700 years before Jesus was born, and the time frame of what we're about to read. So, there is hope, even in the midst of everything that's going on. So, we're going to start by looking classic uh, text out of Isaiah 9. This is like one of the most famous Christmas passages that's read every year for a reason, because it's the hope of looking forward. Now, the people that Isaiah is talking to, they are suffering some pretty hardcore consequences because they've made stupid choices. For a long, hundreds of years, they've made bad choices. Bad kings have resulted in terrible, terrible wickedness breaking out among the people of Israel. And so the people that still love God, still are following God, they're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like, we're being wiped out, you know. And he's like, mm. but right in the midst of that, He's going to offer hope. So again, how does that speak to us when we look at the world around us and we're like, oh, is there any hope? It's like, yes. Yes, there is. There's always hope, as long as Jesus is in the picture. So here's what he starts off by saying. In verse 1, Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of former times. So a bit of history lesson for his people there. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land of the east, or land east of the Jordan, but the Galilee of the nations. So there's hope promised to a people that are suffering, and he's going to do something amazing in the future. And that's hard to hear when you're going through it right now. But in the future. But the question is, well, what? How? Who's going to do it? And so Isaiah goes on. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
He's speaking prophetically. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Now, the cool thing about this is this speaks directly to the Messiah, directly to the hope. And so when Jesus shows up, he's always putting himself in the context of that bigger story. He's trying to help people understand this has been going on for a long time, and this is how I fit in. And so he was always trying to get people to understand that because how he fit in was not just in light of that timeline story, but it was in light of eternity. And so here's this claim that Jesus makes, because he claims this right here. A light has gone on those living. John 8, one of the seven I am statements. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So his light is going to bring life. This is the hoped for promise. So Jesus, again, he's setting himself in the context of the story. He's helping people understand how he fits in and who he is, right, and the purpose of him coming. And now he's going to look way ahead in the future in verse 5. So now this applies to us, because this is after the first coming. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Why? Because you won't need them anymore. anymore. This is similar to what Isaiah already said in chapter 2, verse 4. Look, he's just repeating ideas. What will the Messiah do in the long run, way out in the future? He's going to settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many people. He's going to bring peace. And it keeps going on, more graphic language. They'll beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up the sword against nation. They're not going to need them. Now think about this. In the world that, just, that we live in, how much of a promise is that? You can't watch the news without hearing about Ukraine or Israel and Hamas. You can't, you can't really watch without hearing about what's going on in Asia, how Iran and Russia be pulled into all this stuff. It's like, man... But it's always been that way. The world has always been at war, right? It's just that we have to see it now, immediately. And now, again, what does that do to us? Even in the Christmas season, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Because these people are are looking at the same things that we are, and they're thinking, what are we going to do? And there's this promise of peace. And this has not been fulfilled yet. This is still further out. And so he says, nation will not take up the sword against nation. They will never again train for war. I mean, how sweet would that be? to not have to worry about the threat of war. But how's that going to be accomplished? And that's, this is probably the most famous of the Christmas verses, verse 6. So, next. He says, A child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He's going to be completely in charge. Next. He will be named, read these words with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So Jesus, the one we celebrate this time of year, is the wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is eternal Father. And He is Prince of Peace. But that's tricky because Jesus in John 14, 27 says, I give you my peace. Not like the world gives you peace, but only like that that I can give. And that's an interesting statement for Jesus to make, particularly in the world that we live in, particularly at Christmas time, that He's offering you peace. But that's a choice. Here's what I've learned. I don't know about you, but I've learned this about myself. I have to willfully choose peace. I have to, I have to literally carve it out and say, no, I'm going to find peace. I'm going to, in the midst of all this stuff, Lord, I know this is what you offer, so this is who you are, and that's, this, that's what the season is about. The fact that that right there, all of that came in a manger at the exact appointed time. He came 
for a purpose that would echo into eternity. Like, that's, that's what Christmas is about. So we have to keep that front and center. Because I want you to hear me on this. This year, for the next month, a little less, one less day, it's going to be really, really tempting to let Christmas crowd Jesus out. It's going to be super tempting. And it's going to be really easy, like I said early, earlier, to worship Christmas instead of Christ. All the good stuff, all the fun things that go with it, they all add up, and it's like we don't have any room for Jesus anymore. Or even the things that we want to do for Jesus, it's, we can't do all of them, like I said earlier. So then we just feel guilt, start feeling guilty. So then what? Then we don't do anything. Right? I know that happens to people as well. Like, we'll just forget it. I tried. I'm not going to do it. Right? So again, what do we need to let go of? Because the thing about perfection and how that ties into everything I'm talking about and letting go of Christmas is that oftentimes what we build up in our mind can't even live up to its own hype. Even if you were able to do everything just the way you wanted, oftentimes when I talk to people, it's still kind of a letdown because it just can't, you know, it can't live up to the hype that we've built up in our mind of what it should be like. Because perfection, there's only one person that pulled that off, and that's Jesus. That's, that's who we celebrate this time of year. It's because he pulled that off on our behalf. Not just because he was shown off, but because he wanted something. He wanted relationship. So I say, do the things that you love to do during Christmas season. I mean, I love all the things that get added in and all those things that make it special. And do them well. But just remember, you're doing all of that in light of the fact that we're celebrating Jesus Christ. So if you're at good measure, is, is this helping me celebrate Jesus this season? Right? If that's what we're supposed to be celebrating. Because I know, because here's what I watch Christians do. They get so angry because they're like, you know, you're taking Christ out of Christmas. And they become holiday warriors. And they're all angry, and they're on social media just being like, this season is about Jesus! And it's like, it doesn't seem like it the way you're saying it, right? And we get all angry, and we start defending Christmas. And it's like, are, again, are you defending a holiday, or are you defending Jesus? Like, Jesus doesn't need you to defend him. Like, he created heavens and the earth. Like, he's good, right? Like, he doesn't need you acting that way. And certainly, we don't need to be getting all angry that people that don't believe in Jesus celebrate Christmas without Jesus. Like, stop being so angry about that. Maybe, maybe try to show them the hope and the love and the joy that comes with knowing that Jesus is the reason for the season. Like, anger's not helping them, right? When's the last time somebody was like, you know what, you're a total idiot, and you were like, oh, great point, I believe whatever you're saying. Man, I wish somebody would have said that to me earlier. Said nobody ever, right? So here's what I want, here's what I want to challenge you with. I want this Christmas season for you to focus more, when it comes to perfection, on the perfect one rather than the perfect Christmas. Okay? Because lots of things, again, loneliness, loss, sickness, busyness, right? Perfect Hallmark Christmas pictures, like all kinds of things can get really in the way of that. And by slow, subtle steps, we begin to worship the holiday rather than the Savior. And that's what I want to challenge us with. That's what I want to help us to think. And that's going to be like, I think that will help us let some things go. Maybe they're not like actual things. Maybe it's just heart stuff that we need to let go. It could be unforgiveness. It could be giving forgiveness. It could be all this kind of stuff or receiving forgiveness even. Like, what, is, what do you need to let go of this Christmas season? That's a very personal question for you. Because again, who are we celebrating? 
wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Not who? Not us. It's not about us. It's not about what we like. You go to people in other countries, they don't even understand Christmas. Like, they don't do Christmas like we do. It doesn't even make sense to them at all what we're doing over here. And so think about that in light of, like, this season being about Jesus. So I want to close with this picture. I found this as I was, uh, I don't know what I was doing, but I found this picture, right? So look at this. A child, this is what Christmas is about. This is Isaiah 9-6. We just read, partnered with Matthew one twenty five, which is the, the announcement of Christ. A child has been born for us. A son is given to us. Authority rests on him, and he is named who? Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. Right there. Isaiah 9, Matthew 1, it's about Jesus. So, this season, I want to challenge you. If you need to release some things, prayerfully consider what those things might be so that you can actually celebrate this season. Don't worship Christmas. Worship Christ. Right? Now, if you didn't get one of those little sheets, uh, that's what that is. It's just some things to look at. Some scriptures to read, some ideas on the backside to keep yourself a little sane. Um, but we want to make this, this practical this year. So if you didn't grab one of those, you can grab one of those on the way out. Also, if you want to grab pictures for Christmas, because we love that. It's community. It's family. That's what we got the wall set up. We'll turn the light back on. You can grab a picture. Have something for you as well. So let me pray us out of here. Lord, I thank you for today. Uh, I thank you for this season. Lord, I do love Christmas. Uh, it is a magical time of year, Lord. But I pray that all of us, and I don't know what that looks like, where we're coming from, but I just pray, Jesus, that you're going you're gonna to help us let go of the things that don't have anything to do with you, Lord. Uh, and again, I just pray specifically, God, that your spirit is going to guide us to know what those things are. So, Lord, this is a, again, it's a magical time of year. Help us keep our eyes on you. And I pray that in your name, Jesus Christ. And his church said, amen. All right, love you all. Have a great week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.